Welcome to the Franchise Founders Podcast, where you'll hear right from the source how people like you have been able to buy and build their businesses across different industries all over the country. Dan Claps is the co-founder of Career Transition Leads, Nurture Assist, and Find a Business Online. Christian Dadalak is a franchise consultant with Find a Business Online, and he heads up business development for Career Transition Leads and Nurture Assist. He also runs an independent franchise consulting business, The Franchise Guys. Together, they formed relationships with hundreds of successful business owners who are excited to share their stories with you. Now, here are your hosts, Dan and Christian. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Franchise Founders Podcast. Excited to have you all here today. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, Christian Dadalak, as always, along with my co-host, Dan Claps. Dan, how's it going? Good, good. All right. So we're recording an episode here today on Memorial Day, and uh, we still wanted to offer some value to you guys. And so Dan and I were going to talk a little bit about managing people, vision casting, those sorts of things. So Dan, do you want to start us off? Yeah. Well, first of all, you know, um, we took a little time to do this in between time and family and friends. And obviously want to honor all the, uh, although that all those that have lost their life fighting for our, our country. Um, and you know, it's, that's what this day is all about. And, you know, couple that with enjoying time with your family and friends, but just remember the, the reason that we take this day off. Um, but I, I mean, I'm excited to record this because I think this episode gives testament to the lifestyle that you and I are both living, right? A business owner, um, control of your time. You might work a little bit on a Monday when everyone has off and then take off on a Wednesday, right? It's all dependent on your, your desire to increase and grow your business and your platform. Um, and what I love about being a business owner is exactly that, that you can take a little time to jump in and be productive every day, even if it's six, seven days a week, because you love what you're doing. And I know you and I both love working with people about, you know, learning about franchises. Absolutely, man. And uh, no, 100% ditto what you said. I think it's really important to remember the reason that we take today off. I'm I'm a huge supporter of uh, our veteran community, but today, especially for those that have given the ultimate sacrifice for for our country, for what we stand for as a nation. So thank you for everyone for doing that. And, uh, and, but it really is, it is, it is awesome to be able to on a Monday, do a quick podcast, but we're here because we want to be, not because we have to be. And a lot of that is because we've, uh, built teams, we built systems, and we chose to, frankly, get into business for ourselves and get into the S or the B side of the the cash flow quadrant, right? Versus uh, versus doing what so many other people do. So that's a quick pitch for for choosing the entrepreneur life. And one great way to do it is through franchising. So we can talk a little bit about that today. And um, and I, I think what we wanted to touch on, Dan, was just so much of and something that I've learned, something that I've heard from a lot of different mentors in my life is, you know, if you don't really have a team in place, if the business can't really run without you, you don't really have a business, you kind of have a job. And, um, and even as a consultant, you know, that's, you're kind of in the, the S side quadrant, a, a little bit of the cash flow quadrant. For those that don't know, it's a great book, Cash Flow Quadrant by Robert Kiyosaki. But, but the goal, in my opinion, should always be to build a business system where you're leveraging the time and efforts of other people. But in order to, to get people to, to be a part of the business and the system, you really need to get buy-in. So Dan, what are some of your recommendations to get buy-in from people so that they're buying into the vision and the team for, for what the business is and what, what you're, what you're trying to do as a business owner? Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, 
the most important component of a CEO of a business. And if you purchase a franchise and you're leading in one unit, five units, or hundred units, you're the CEO of your company. Right? You're the decision maker in that organization. And you're the responsibility of a CEO is really to, uh, David Barr really says it really well, cast a vision, provide resources, hold people accountable, be a cheerleader. These are the top four. What does that break down to? Cast a vision, as you're speaking to, is creating the vision for your company, which is a clear picture of where you want your company to go. It's clear, it's written down in your organization, and it's memorialized. It's, it's put in a place where your team is seeing it and hearing it. It's communicated with them over and over to get your vision into their mind. So that's number one. You need to have a vision. You need to write it down. You need to be clear and concise. And once you write it down, you need to provide it to your team in a, you know, an evergreen format of content. So it needs to be on your website. It needs to be in their handbooks. It needs to be in their email. You need to continually remind them of the vision. In our organization, a lot of people say to me, I repeat myself. And the truth is, if you've been working with us for a period of time, it starts to sound like a repeat. But that's because it takes people like seven times before they ever even hear something. So for me, I, I will always repeat the vision again and again and again. And that's the first step to getting by. And it's just repetition, writing it down, putting it, making it a priority that your vision is, is in front of them and it's, it's clear and concise. Um, I think to answer your question on getting buy-in, you're not going to get buy-in until people are motivated. Um, and motivation really breaks down to four or five um, components. You, really anything can be broken down in motivation in an organization to um, people want, people want respect, number one, treat them with the absolute respect. They're working on your dream and your vision. You should respect them. So people need respect and you be treated like adults. Uh, after respect, they need recognition. People want to be, and, and I mean the smallest thing. If you see an employee do a good thing, praise them in public, praise them one-to-one, -one, praise them socially, praise them over and over. You'd be surprised how powerful as a leader those small words are with your team when you praise them. I think back to when my dad had a, you know, said something nice to me, you know, it's like the ultimate still, right? It's like your parents praising you. Right? As a leader, your words carry so much weight. So treat them with respect, uh, give them recognition. People want a challenge. So let people know that they're in a role that's challenging. They were hired for a reason, whether it's their personality in sales or their analytics ability in an analytics role and challenge them. People leave organizations when they're not challenged. They actually want to be challenged. Um, most people don't wake up and say, you know, I can't wait to go, you know, coast by through work today. It's only when they're not motivated, it's just because they're not challenged, right? So give them a challenge, give them respect, give them recognition, give them a share in the results. So a lot of times, like I know in my, in our organization, um, you'll have someone in the front end of our business dialing all day, cold calling. That's pretty demotivating when you're just doing that all day. But when you show them, hey, guys, what you do is the engine of our business, and here's the results that you play into, and from there, this happens, and here's the chain effect of what you do every single day, how important what you do is, and here's a share in the results, that's also going to get people um, motivated. So respect, recognition, results, a challenge, um, and, and really that can all break down motivation. Once you get motivation, 
you keep repeating the vision, you get them motivated. That's the first step in getting buy-in. And then the last step, in my opinion, is saying to them, do you buy in? What, what reservations do you have? You know, I've had people say to me, well, you know, what's the catch in your business? Or, you know, are we helping people? Are we not helping people? You need to find out what reservations they may have, combat that, get them past that. And those are the first steps to getting people to buy into to your vision. I love that, man. I think it's, it's, it's so critical because I think everybody, anytime you do a new venture, if you've been around the block a little bit, you, you have a certain understanding that everyone on the front end, everything looks nice. You know, they kind of put on the show, they dress everything up. It looks nice on the front end and here are our core values. So a lot of companies have core values and they will communicate them up front. And when, when they're hiring someone, they're telling them how awesome it is and how great what we do is and this and that. But I think a lot of people walk in, like you said, with certain reservations because they've been given the dog and pony show before and, and have been let down in the past where on the front end, it looks good, but then they peek behind the curtain and it's really not all that all it was cracked up to be and the way it was presented up front. And so I think it's, it's, it's up to us as leaders to really to, to come in with an understanding that that is how, how they're walking into uh, that's how they're walking into the role. They're, they're coming in with a little bit of skepticism. So you have to meet them where they're at and undersell, but over deliver really say, Hey, this is what we stand for. But rather than just saying it, we really need to act it out and show that, Hey, these core values that we say we're, we're living by and, and the mission of the organization, for example, helping people, corporate executives to achieve the American dream through business ownership and franchising. That's not just something we say, like that is something that we're really passionate about doing and, and they need to see the effects of that. But I think buy-in will happen more and more. And those reservations, I, I think having that conversation is absolutely important, but also just as time goes on and as they see that there is action and results behind just the words and they see that that's actually lived out in the organization that will, that will come. And honestly, a lot of that, that, that just comes with time. And uh, I also wanted to touch on really quickly what you said about motivation the way I look at it, I think that the way I look at it is motivation is almost uh, motivation is internal. It's something that comes from within, but inspiration is almost external. But I think that what we can do as leaders and, and business owners is create an environment where motivation, it's conducive to motivation. Like it's you, you have the recognition because when you recognize people that makes them come up with the internal motivation, the internal drive, it sparks that internal drive that makes them want to actually go to work each day. It makes them excited to show up, to be a part of the mission, the team, and to show up to the environment. But I think really what we do as leaders is we try to be inspiring. So we're trying to paint that vision and and uh, and, and show them what we're doing as an organization and, and get them to buy in. But I think the, the last piece of that puzzle as well is I almost think that you can't, you can't motivate. There's very few things you can do to motivate the wrong person. So if you have the wrong person in the wrong seat on the bus, or even the wrong per or the wrong person even in the right seat on the bus, whatever it is. But uh, if if you have that person that's just not motivated, there's nothing you can do. You could have the best environment, the most positive attitude, the best systems in place, but that person is not going to do anything with it. But on, on the flip side, I think. In many cases, you could have somebody that is a super internally driven person. But if you, even if you have like a kind of a, a lackluster environment and maybe the company's not that great, I still think that a person like that 
maybe they're not going to go as far as they could in a company that is set up the right way and does have is conducive to success. But even a person like that, they can still find some morsel of success, even if it's in a pretty shitty company, in my opinion. But so if you have the right person, right company, and you guys meet in the middle and you create that atmosphere, I think that's where that person that's just internally motivated and you provide and foster the right attitude and environment, that person can go so far. And so I think our leaders is really to, our, our goal is to set up that, that right um, environment. And then, like you said, recognize, hold accountable, paint the vision, and then also just kind of get out of the way. Once you, once you let them know what to do, get out of the way. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. Yeah. Well, I, I think that was extremely well said. And, you know, when you think about the vision and the motivation and all the components of getting people on a bus, driving that bus to a destination, everyone knows where they're going, right? People in the right seats, all the fundamentals of business. You think back to like business class when you first learn about core values, like as you mentioned, um, it's so often that these core values, business owner gets excited, they start their business, they write them down, oh, here's our core values, here's our mission, here's our vision. And then it goes in a, you know, in a filing cabinet somewhere and it dies. Um, and I actually have learned this you know, recently, how important going back to those core values. Like for, for me, when I say me, it, it doesn't matter what organization I'm in. These are the core values that matter to me. And if you think about the best relationships, marriages are built on values that are equally uh, the same. That's really the, the, the foundation of a relationship, right? So your employees and you have a relationship. So to me, you know, unwavering optimism, the, just an optimistic attitude. If someone's not optimistic at the core, they can't learn. I don't want to be around that. And they don't want to be around me. So, you know, when hiring, you need to look for what you care about in your core values or your organization's core values. So unwavering optimism for me, grit is the driver of tenacity. So to me, of success for me, grit and tenacity, that, that attitude of I'm going to get this accomplished whether I have to do it a little extra, go the extra mile, um, seek to understand is, is another value for, for us. Um, be adaptable, be transparent to a T and have a desire to help others. Like these values to me, uh, and then the last one is, is the desire to self-improve. If you don't have, so like in our organization, if they don't have all those attributes, it's just not going to, it's not gonna be a good relationship and eventually it will implode. And what I found though is there's another step to this. You have to cast the vision. You have to write it down. You have to give it to the team. You have to hit all those boxes of motivation. As I mentioned, respect, recognition, results, challenge, and, um, you know, and, and be involved with them. But then there's this other step. You have a self-motivated person, someone who's hungry and thirsty for knowledge and they're asking you to read books and videos and they want to learn from you as a leader. Well, there's another step, which I think is the most important, um, which is you have to realize that these are people. They are not your employees. They are not your asset. Right. And this, you know, yes, they're an asset to the business, but they're not your asset. They're going to come. They might work for you for 30 years. They might work for you for six months. And you have to realize that your job as a leader is to care about them. And again, don't hire them if you can't find a reason to care about them not care about them for your selfish reasons of your job, your company. Oh, I care about you. Here's some perks. No, you have to care about them beyond yourself. So for me, I bring in someone and I spend time with them and they get better and they go and they get a new job and they, their career goes on this upward trajectory. 
I'm as happy as can be because that was in some small way I could have played a role in that, right? So you have to care about them beyond your organization. And so when you talk about getting buy-in, people know when you actually care about them. And caring about them is not just for your organization. You have to care about them beyond you. That's my opinion. So to get buy-in, and maybe that's taking time to learn about their family. It's taking time to, you know, have a conversation outside of, of, of you know, working elements. It's giving advice, you know, someone, you know, uh, earlier in their career, it's giving them advice or personal advice even if, if they're, they're asking for it. Um, so to get buy-in, I think you need to take an interest in your employees altruistically, not just to benefit your, yourself. Man, you said a few things there that actually kind of got me fired up because it, it's so true. I think that personal relationships need to be the foundation of everything. I think the, the old way of thinking in business like 50 years ago was you're, you're, they're kind of like a cog in the machine. You know, don't get involved in their personal lives because, you know, they might be here for one second for one day and then they're going to be gone the next and you're going to have someone else that comes in. It gets too messy. And that's true. It can get messy if you get involved in people's personal lives. But I really don't think that people are buying is not possible and people are really not going to show up if you don't care about them as a human being and as a person. And you do need to, to know what's going on in their lives, because, again, how can you effectively lead someone if like I want to know why my, my, my teammate is is not showing up as best as they can? Like what's going on at home? Like, yeah, is it you got to be careful, obviously, but but you have to it's so helpful to know what's going on that we know how to effectively lead them and you could help them through situations. And you know, Hey, maybe, you know, if you're going on, you got some stressors at home. Like I, I kind of want to know about that because I, I want to make sure that I'm effectively leading you here at work and I'm not causing you to burn out. And, and maybe if we need to have another teammate kind of fill in or, or whatever it is, but I want to know what's going on so that I can, I can lead you effectively basically. But another thing you said that really, um, I loved actually, and this is a testament to your character, but when you said employees are an asset. And I think, again, when you look at the old way of, of business and the way that, I mean, technically on, on, uh, on an income statement and a balance sheet in many cases, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're paying your employees. Like it, it is an expense technically, right. Cause you're paying their payroll, but I think that's totally the wrong way to look at it. And I think that the, the most successful business owners out there, they look at their people just exactly like you said, as an asset, it was, it's not even, it's an afterthought for you. Like it's not, you're not thinking about the money that you're spending on, on their payroll. You're looking at that as an investment. I have the right teammates and I'm investing into them and, and they're going to help us carry out the mission for the company. And so they're an investment. They are like, it is worthwhile just to invest that money into people, into their personal development into getting the right people on the bus because they're the ones that make it happen. So I just think that, that, that is just so huge to look at people as an asset uh, and, and not as a liability and as an expense, like so many, there's a lot of business owners that do look at people like that and they look at them as expendable, but if you really have the right people and you want them to stay with you for a long time, you know, whether or not they're like you said, whether they're with you for six months, a year, 10 years, 20 years, you know, a season or a lifetime, the, they're people. They're not, they're not expendable, obviously. And so they are an asset. And it's, I think so much of business is having that mindset. So if you go in with that mindset of looking at people as an asset and I'm making an investment into them and, and it's like the Chick-fil-A model. If I treat my employees right, if I treat my team right and, and they're happy 
and they're and they're fulfilling their own mission and, and values here, then they're going to take care of the customer. And then the customer obviously is going to feed the business and, and everyone's going to be happy to win, win, win for everybody. So I think if we go in with that mindset, that's how we have a lot of success in business. But if you're short-sighted and frankly, kind of, and pardon my French, but kind of an asshole and you're looking at people as, as expendable and as a liability, then I think long-term you're going to lose. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, it's um, going back to hiring the right people. Uh, don't get me wrong. If you take an interest in people and you get to that personal level, first of all, it's, it's an absolute balance act and there's a, totally. um, it's an art, not a science and there's a boundary you need to set and you can't cross. But what I would tell you is um, if the person is taking advantage of you building a, a, a personal relationship in them and caring about them, then they're not the right person. You need to hire slowly. You need to really look for your core values and all the attributes that you know you want in your organization. If you make a mistake, you need to fire, you know, let them go fast. Um, but I will tell you, there's no bigger mistake than a bad hire. Most expensive thing is a bad hire. I've been in that position paying someone for a year that we just knew wasn't the right person, but you're too afraid to do it and you're going to have to take on their work and it's just not worth it. So you wait, you shouldn't wait. You should nip it in the bud right when that happens. Um, and then I've also lost great people. Um, and looking back, I realized that if I had done just a few things and realized a few things, um, perhaps had just created a more open door and line of communication, we could have not lost that person and have to go back and spend the money hiring and retraining and all the, the, the time and energy. But, you know, people are assets. It's just, they're not your assets. And so right. if they do leave because they move on to their next opportunity, that's, uh, you know, their next best for them. That's, that's great too. You know, your job as a leader is developing as people, not as employees, in my opinion. Um, and the, the other thing that I found is nobody wants to work for the perfect boss. Nobody wants a relationship with someone who's perfect. And people want to know that when you, because you're going to make mistakes. I plan, I, I'm going to make 10 mistakes in the next six months. You know, I don't want to, but I'm going to, right? And you're going to, and you're going to make mistakes at home. You're going to make mistakes in your relationships. You're going to make mistakes. It's just inevitable. And if you think you're not, then you're just, I don't know, you're living under a rock. You're going to make mistakes. <laughs> You're lying to yourself. <laughs> yeah, you're lying to yourself. And employees, they don't want to hear that you never make mistakes. When you make a mistake, if you want trust, you got to give trust. People want a leader. My Again, this is all opinion. It's not fact. But people want a leader that can be vulnerable when the time comes. You know, and so when you do make a mistake, now granted, you can't be making 20 mistakes a month. They're going to leave. But when you do make a mistake, you realize you did Take the time with that teammate to acknowledge it. Hey, you know, I, I lost my temper here in this moment of stress. I, it's no excuse. I'm under a ton of pressure with the new initiative we're taking. And it was not right of me. It was unacceptable of me to, you know, maybe get a little snappy with you. And I'm going to work to correct that behaviors. You know, how, how are you feeling? And take the time to own your mistake. Because nobody wants to work for a perfect boss. And there is no such thing as a perfect boss. It's just that. The leader is, the boss is someone who never admits it. The leader is someone who takes ownership. Yeah, hundred percent, man. It's, it's funny that you said that because um, one of, one of my mentors, my, my friend's dad, who in many cases has kind of become almost like a rich dad for me, like rich dad, poor dad. Right. Um, and in his business throughout his career, in, um, I, think, I think around almost 40 years in his business, cash flowed personally over a hundred million dollars. 
um, which is insane. Um, and, but he started out as a guy that he had massive anxiety growing up. Uh, if you read his book, uh, he went to a Catholic school growing up and the, the nuns, when he would stutter, when he was giving speeches in front of the class, he would stutter and the nun would like slap his hands with a ruler and all that and make him sit in the corner and totally embarrass him. So he, that, and a lot of other things growing up caused him to have a lot of fears and anxiety. Now he gives speeches to like hundred thousand people, you know, at the Mercedes Benz stadium in Atlanta, Georgia, and all these crazy things. But, but a lot of when he was back in the eighties, when he got started in the business, the early eighties, a lot of his uh, teammates that he recruited and hired and trained, you know, he'd be giving a speech in front of all these people and he'd be like hyperventilating before going up there. And he's like, man, am I good enough? I, I don't know. And he's like taking deep breaths and he's having his teammates like, Oh, you, you got it, Mike. You're, you're good to go, man. And, uh, but, but that's really what caused his team to really get behind him because they saw that he's not a robot. He's a human being. And, and he, he was willing to be vulnerable with them. And he was real. he was willing to be genuine. What, what Mike always said was, I, I never played the big game of trying to beat somebody I'm not. I, I, I was what I am, what I am. You are what you are. And, and his teammates respected him because he was willing to be vulnerable and real and all of his anxieties and fears. Yeah. He, he still managed the emotional load of the team. Don't get me wrong. And that was one of the, the biggest lessons I learned from him is as a leader, you have to manage the emotional load. And so sometimes you're not passing down uh, some of certain fears and anxieties about the, the business and the, and the vision of where you're going. There obviously are issues and you got to really paint a compelling picture of where you're going. And some of those fears and anxieties, maybe you're not, uh, uh, con- you know, communicating to the team necessarily, but, but you are letting them know that as a person that you do have, you're a human being, you have fears, anxieties, issues you deal with. And I think if you try not to show up as this perfect person, they're going to respect you more because a, they know it's real, but B, they're also like, Oh, you're more relatable. If you're this guy that doesn't make any mistakes and you're perfect, then I'm never going to be like that guy. I have nothing in common with him or, or gal. Uh, so it's, it's hard to relate to that person. And you really don't want to follow that person because they're not really human. Nobody wants to follow a robot. So I, I think just from what I've learned from yeah. Mike is it's just, it's just an insane to be, to try to be somebody you're not and to not be this, this person that is just authentic and, you know, imperfect. I think people, as much as we strive to get better, and I think it's good to strive, to strive for perfection. We'll never get there. I think it's good to try to get there, but, but also recognizing that we are imperfect. And I think people respect that. Yeah. And it's, it's all, uh, you know, it's, it's all a learning lesson, but like, you know, there's little nuanced things that you can do that. Like I, I can example, I'm fascinated by, I don't know why I didn't do this sooner, but I recently um, started to connect with people more through Facebook and, and Instagram and, and, um, you know, and, and essentially give people a um, vantage or a view into my life and vice versa, right, my, on the personal side and be able to build more of a, uh, through a platform, right? So for me, there's a lot of people that I want to get uh, in front of or, or have a relationship with and that may not necessarily be one-to-one in a conversation or text message conversation constantly, but some type of relationship of information being exchanged, whether it's photos or videos or this podcast getting to people that, you know, thankfully the few that want to, <laughs> to the people that want to want to listen. Um, but, you know, connecting with people in, in that platform and sharing information 
Um, I, I also think that if you want people to buy into your vision and you really got to buy into you. And so showing them that you're not perfect, but also that you're constantly learning. If you want to be a leader, now what level of leader you want to be depends on the, the amount of this, what I'm about to say that you have to do will be dependent on how high up you want to climb. But to me, the best leaders are, are readers. They're, they're, leaders are hungry and curious constantly for information. Like for me, I've got the Wall Street Journal, two books, a podcast, and you know, I'm constantly, every day I want to fill my mind with, you know, with information. Um, and what I've learned recently is over the past few years, I've been realizing that all of that random information, first of all, there's patterns to it. And a lot of it's repeated over and over. As I said, it takes seven times to learn, you know, hear something. But I'm learning that when I look back um, and I connect the dots between the different articles and videos and people that I talk to, it's all starting to become a, a more broader education that becomes fundamentals. Um, you know, for me, like I, I really look up to Jeff Weiner, the previous CEO of LinkedIn, and I'll watch a YouTube video and I'll say to myself, man, I want, I want to talk like him. I want to, I want to be as polished and as well-spoken and uh, seasoned. And then I realized that all it is, the difference, I mean, other than it being brilliant, but the difference is <laughs> experience and time and wisdom and probably hundreds more book of books that are, and, and information that's been digested by you know, his brain and mind, right? So people want to see that, you know, Hey, here's who I am today. Here's my goal as a person and I'm going to get there and I'd love to see where you want to get and let's, let's get there together. Um, and along the way, we're both going to make mistakes. Um, yeah. Yeah, man. T Tony Robbins said it best. You're either growing or you're dying. There really isn't any in between point. You're either learning and getting better or you're falling back and falling by the wayside. I just, uh, I just purchased like 15 books. <laughs> I, I, I went on like a little, everyone has like their little shopping binge and their, their little guilty pleasure, minor books. So I, I bought like 15 on, on Amazon about business, about investing and all sorts of different subjects. And uh, I agree, man, completely. I think that you're either you're growing or you're dying. You're investing in yourself and, and you do try to get better. I don't know if you've ever heard of uh have you ever heard of strength finders? So strength finders, they actually, the Zorical assessment. And for those of you that don't know, Zorical assessment is a, like almost like a personality assessment for the franchise industry shows you the best uh, business for you. Talks about communication styles, values, uh, personality a little bit. So part of part, one of the tests that's incorporated in Zorical is a, is a, is a, an assessment called the strength finders assessment and strength finders is actually a project of Gallup. So a Gallup polling, you know, and uh, you, you take this assessment and it'll tell you what your, your strengths are. There's 34 strengths. You don't have any weaknesses. They're just strengths and then lesser strengths. And uh, one of my top five, my number two, my first one is achiever. My second one is learner. And, and I think that as leaders, you really do need to have this like hunger inside you where you constantly want to learn and get better. You're reading books, you're listening to podcasts, you're going to seminars and workshops, events, and, and you don't think you know everything. And you know that, I think the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. Yeah. And, and, and you're, you're hungry and you're willing to learn. You're willing to listen to mentors. You seek mentorship. You look up to people like the CEO of LinkedIn and other people. I have people in the franchise industry I look up to, people outside of it. And I'm constantly seeking out their, their information, their wisdom, their insight, so that I can be better as both a leader as a franchise consultant and really just as a human right. being. And uh, 
you know, for those of you that haven't taken it, I recommend taking the strength finder assessment. You'll learn a lot about yourself, but, um, but I, I just think, man, you're totally right. Leaders are readers. And if you're not doing that, I just think that it's you're, you're you're missing so much out of life, and there's so much to be gained. There's so much to know, and and there's so much to give. When, when, I think the, the, for me, one of the most exciting parts about learning is the ability to then share that knowledge. If I just if I just had all this knowledge in my head and it bottles up, I want to explode because I want to share it. I want to talk about it. And yes, to be fair, sometimes I'll word vomit on people because I get so excited about a subject, but. It's fun. And I think that leaders are readers and they're also givers. Once you have that knowledge, you want to share it and you want to give and you want to pass down. And that's why I think some of the most successful people in the world, they, they love to mentor people. They get to that point and they want to pass down that knowledge, create a legacy, pass down that information to the next generation and really just share and give, man. So I think that you're totally right. They, they leaders they read, they learn, and then they give what they learn. And they're total givers, and 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 they don't really expect anything else in return. They just want to pass it down. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, it, it's it's seeking out the best of someone and trying to latch on. Like I know for me, my my first sales job, I remember there was like the top performers and the low performers. And I, when I started, said, "Well, I want to hang out with top performers." And I begged to hang out. They'd go out to Maybe they'd go out together. I, you know, let me come with you guys and just sit there and, and listen and learn and and you know and all of a sudden your mind is working to be on the same level. The way you're acting, you know, you're the average of the five people you hang out most with. And that's actually a study that's been done that's pretty significantly uh, accurate, pretty accurate, right? So if you're hanging out with five people and they're all making, you know, a certain income per year or have a certain net worth, um, and and you're hanging out with them. And maybe you've got someone that's all the way up here and someone that's all the way down here. You will pick up the habits that they have and the mindset that they have. And you're going to be the average of the five that you hang out with. What I've learned and I started to think more about is I've always applied that to income and, and creating you know, money and wealth. But it's the truth in every aspect of life. If you're hanging out with people that, you know, have a lower moral fiber or more, you know, struggle with good relationships or whatever, you're going to be the average of them in that regard too, in your personality and your decision-making and your, your ethics. Um, and so it's so important that you surround yourself with like-minded people that you can aspire to, to be like. I completely agree, man. I mean, I think that's pretty much enough said. I don't know that I have a whole lot more to, to touch on that subject. I think we gave people what I'm hoping is a lot of good value in terms of how to build a good organization, how to be a good leader and how to build good teams, find good people, keep good people. Um, hopefully that was helpful for everybody. I mean, anything else you want to leave anyone off with? I mean, I think, I think you just wrapped it up perfectly. No, I'm ready to get back to uh, barbecuing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going back up to the, the roof now. So. All right. Too. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, I am. Well, Thanks everyone for tuning into the Franchise Founders Podcast. Really hope you all enjoy Memorial Day weekend. And, and again, just remember what, what the day is for and, and remember all of the, uh, the fallen you know, men and women that have given their all for, for this country and remember their families as well. And uh, you know, keep them close to your hearts. Give them a prayer, give them a word of thought and encouragement. And uh, thanks for tuning in everyone. We'll see you on the next episode.